Okay, so let's get the mood going here. Imagine it. The coffee machine is bubbling and gurgling away in the corner. That Netflix fireplace is perfect and I don't need to think about lighting it. Benefit. Just the flick of a switch and it's all sorted. Okay, it gives out no heat, but jumpers, everyone. The smell of musty paper and the subtle sweetness of vanilla is in the air and you're gathered with some of your closest book friends to talk about your latest find. I'm Ray, and welcome to another episode of Not Before Coffee, The Bookshop, where I talk about my most recent reads and hopefully encourage you to pick up a copy. Goodreads this week was not exactly a bust, but I have finally done what I said I was going to do and reduced my read figures from the number I thought was achievable at the beginning of the year to a more realistic number that I know I can achieve, as I am still reading, just not as much as I thought I would. So if you have been to my Goodreads, you'll have seen that things have changed just a little bit. The reality is that despite having been at home, in my previous job the days were much longer because I didn't have a commute and though I made sure to have a lunch break it was rarely uninterrupted. Luckily my new job respects boundaries, I don't hear from them until the day starts, I don't get phone calls and text messages during my lunch break and I've had more of an opportunity to read which is why my reading count is still going up. Yay! With regards to the Goodreads challenge for this year, having changed my number to something a little more realistic, I'm actually back on track, and hopefully I will remain that way. The personal challenge I set myself, however, well, I am now on new author number 15 as of this week. Five more to go and I will have reached the target I said I wanted to make of 20 new authors for the year. It's not always easy, as anyone who reads will know. In fact, sometimes it's actually a little frightening as I pick up a book by someone I've never heard of when really all I want to do is read the familiar. But it's been so far an exercise in self-discipline and I have found some good authors and some not so good to recommend and shy away from in the future. So huge bonus, really. Oh, if you actually want to follow my reading journey for 2021 and 2022, because that one's going to be set shortly, or you just want to see what else I've read in the last six years if you're looking for recommendations, then I'll post the link to my profile in the info box below. This week, as I've already mentioned, I'm going to be looking at another brand new author, at least to me. There are more on the way as I have just had a bit of a buying and borrowing binge and I have a pile of books, both physical and virtual, to work through. Yeah, it's a large pile of books. I think there's about 10 on there and most of them are from new authors. A few months ago, I mentioned that I started my reading journey decades ago with one book. Sure, I had read a lot before it, but this book started my fascination with a specific genre and I have since purchased three different covers of said book and read it so many times that I have literally, legitimately lost count. I know the book, I know the detail, I know the characters so well that I even named one of my first cats after the male protagonist, though my family did say that naming him sorry was actually cruel. 
I am not going to be talking about that book, which is The Changeover by Margaret May, today, as I have already talked about it in some detail all the way back in October 2020, and I will bookmark that link below. However, I am going to be talking about a book that somehow belongs in the same classification when it comes to library and bookshop shelving. I know, I know, this all sounds very random and not a little bit cryptic, but I have to be honest here, the whole genre I am going to be taking a closer look at over the next couple of months is definitely proving to be that. So what have I been rambling on about? I have wanted to actually do this for some time, if I'm honest. So this week, I begin a closer look at one of the fastest growing book genres over the last 20 years, young adult and its close friend, new adult, which until I started reading this book, I hadn't even heard of. But perhaps that's because I'm not one and they didn't exist when I was. As with any genre, there are so many subgenres that I've actually lost count, but variety is the spice of life and offering people something different to read is better than only having one thing to look at. Seriously, if there were only one genre, I think that many people would have stopped reading a long time ago. When I was a teenager, the type of YA books available was incredibly limited. Point Horror, Sweet Dreams Romance, Sweet Valley High, and the occasional book by an author who vanished after a year or so. I will be talking about one of those in the next few weeks, actually. But if I'm being honest, I went straight from books like Sweet Valley High to books by Barbara Taylor Bradford, Stephen King, and Tolkien, because I was able to get a card that said, my mum has given me permission to read books in the adult section of our local library. Of course, when it comes to books for the young adult set, everything changed with the advent of things like Harry Potter. But I'm not going to be talking about that either, at least not today. I can almost hear you yelling in frustration now. Come on, Ray, what are you going to be talking about? Today, I am taking a look at a book I am struggling to believe is actually meant to be anywhere near the YA shelf but that's where I found it. Sort of at the end, though, in the section now referred to as New Adult, which is focused on an audience between the ages of 18 and 30. Wow, I actually feel old. <laughs> Does that mean that I am to be referred to now as an MAA or middle-aged adult? Are we now going to be classifying readers that way? Anyhow, I'm taking a look at the first in the Four Horsemen quadrilogy by Laura Thalassa pestilence. They came to earth, pestilence, war, famine, death, four horsemen riding their screaming steeds, racing to the corners of the world, four horsemen with the power to destroy all of humanity. They came to earth and they came to end us all. When pestilence comes for Sarah Burns town, one thing is certain, everyone she knows and loves is marked for death. Unless, of course, this angelic-looking horseman is stopped, which is exactly what Sarah has in mind when she shoots the unholy beast off his steed. Too bad no one told her pestilence can't be killed. Now the horseman, very much alive and very pissed off, has taken her prisoner and he's eager to make her suffer. Only, the longer she's with him, the more uncertain she is about his true feelings towards her and hers towards him. And now, well, Sarah might still be able to save the world, 
but in order to do so, she'll have to sacrifice her heart in the process. I know that I have mentioned many times that my TBR is huge. This book has been out since 2018 and has been on the waiting list since midway through 2019. For some reason, I was hesitant to read it. Initially, it was because it was a book I was going to read for my old podcast, Romance Isn't Dead, though my co-host was less than keen because it's first person and she doesn't like it. Then I found other books to read, as you do. Favourite authors release new content. I found other new authors to enjoy, but no more. Definitely no more. So last week, I took a look at the books I had been ignoring and decided that it was time. I have never actually read anything by Laura Thalassa before, hence her being author, new author number 15. And I actually hadn't heard of her until I saw a review for another book of hers on a booktuber account. It sounded as though she had a good grip of the written word, so I took the plunge. And oh boy, what a plunge it is. Until I read this, I had only really come across The Four Horsemen in the amazing Good Omens. I'll link that review down below. It was a fantastic one that I did with Chance from Strive, Seek, Find. So to find that Thalassa has created someone with such strong principles who is slowly corrupted was both intriguing and at the same time disturbing. Let me boil it down for you. This book is not for the faint of heart and that is why I kept on checking what type of reader it was being recommended for. There are graphic depictions of death in the most brutal and horrifying ways. As the summary stated, the four horsemen were sent to Earth and then civilization fell apart. Things go silent as the human race adjusts to a new way of life, though somehow things like electricity are still available and though reception is spotty, they still have TV. Really? That's a priority, okay? However, after five years, people start to die of a disease they refer to as messianic fever. It's not a pleasant way to go. There's no cure and everyone is affected. Pestilence is the first of the brothers to roam the world of man, and he brings with him pain and suffering. That isn't all that the horseman brings with him, but that is his core purpose for being. To be fair, his true identity is never really looked at in much detail. But for some of the things he says and some of the things that he does, we're led to assume that he's an angel come to earth to do God's bidding. The book has an interesting premise, I'm not going to deny that. But given everything that has happened in the world over the last two years, a plague sweeping the globe seems a little bit too close to home. But that's not why I find there are elements of the story that I find disturbing. We've all been experiencing the same thing. Sarah Burns is a firefighter, and at the beginning of the novel, she is with the last of her crew after the rest of her town has been evacuated to avoid the plague they know that pestilence brings with him. Through some poor luck, it's decided that Sarah will stay behind and do what no one else so far has managed to do and kill pestilence. I'm not sure why exactly anyone thinks that this will work. Do they truly believe that these four horsemen will be susceptible to the same punishments and pain as the mortals they've come to kill? Seriously? Anyway, Sarah has been tasked with this role, and though we get the feeling she's somewhat reluctant, it's her duty as a member of the human race to try and save everyone. I'm not sure why, but for some reason, Thalassa felt it necessary to describe some of the more unpleasant effects that come with burning a man alive after you've shot him multiple times with a shotgun. 
And this particular necessity occurs throughout the book in different situations. Needless to say, her attempt, despite being descriptively gruesome, is ineffective and she finds herself Pestilence's prisoner. This is not just any old new adult novel. This is dystopian fantasy romance. And what would a romance be without a conflicted hero and a tempestuous heroine? Normally, I absolutely love that. But there was something somewhat uncomfortable for me in the love interest in this particular book. Pestilence has been sent to Earth to kill off the human race, right? So what exactly is attractive about that to anybody? Apparently, our female protagonist, Sarah, either has a case of Stockholm Syndrome, really bad case at that, or else she is somehow able to dissociate the knowledge she has of him from the being he has the potential to become. Of course, it could be as simple as... Even injured, he's a pinnacle of the male specimen. He has muscles for days. His arms both thick and cut, his pecs nicely rounded out, and his abs ridiculously defined. I'm not saying that Sarah is shallow, but if the evidence is there, well, who am I to argue? Anyhow, let's get back to the story. Time has no meaning after Sarah is taken captive by an understandably vengeful pestilence, but slowly her presence starts to eat away at him. First she tempts him with food, and from there it's a slippery slope. This book brings to mind that very oft-used quote from Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. Of course, this means that Pestilence and his brothers would be the pinnacle of perfection, and would therefore be considered attractive even if their purpose was less so. Time spent together slowly eats away at both Pestilence and Sara, and they find themselves drawn to each other. This is, after all, something of a romance, and to be fair, on the written page, they do actually have a lot of chemistry. It's just disturbing for some of the readers, including myself. I'm not going to give away the plot, though I will say that, of course, the world doesn't end with Pestilence as its sole destroyer especially if you remember the fact that there are four books in this series and this is only book one. I realised as I was trying to explain the plot to a friend who is definitely not into this type of literature that I was struggling to come up with the best way to say what I felt when I was reading it. At its core, you could say that it's a romance. The two characters feel a definite attraction to each other, which is palpable in the book, and this became incredibly clear the further in I read. There are moments when they struggled to battle against the developing emotions that they shared, especially when Sarah struggled to justify why she wanted to be close to a man who was, in all meanings of the word, her captor. Part of me wished that we could somehow separate the character from his purpose by giving him a name other than Pestilence, but Thalassa didn't offer us this option. I can't help wondering if perhaps I would have been able to accept Sarah seeing him as someone who could feel emotion and wanted the human race to have the option of redemption, if he'd had a name. But instead, he continued on his way, wreaking destruction and death wherever he went. Eventually, there is a moment of relief, as it appears that this being can feel remorse, but it's unfortunately tempered with his need for vengeance. Initially, I thought, no, I actually hoped that his association with Sarah and the ways of humanity that she was attempting to show him 
would bring the, with them some sort of respite. But unfortunately, the bond that the two have developed only goes on to bring it further destruction and a display of the utmost brutality from humankind. The majority of people that Pestilence and Sara encounter on their journey through America and Canada to spread the disease that he has been tasked with bringing to Earth are actually the worst of our kind. Okay, I get it, they're scared, but they bring guns and fire and torture and never once do they think, what could we do to change this? Now we get to my biggest issue with the book. Where was the actual warning? How do they know what they're meant to do to redeem themselves if they have no idea that this is what they're meant to be doing? Okay, they could assume that this is punishment from some wrath-filled god, angry at them for their flagrant disregard for the planet they live on, but if everyone is being punished, no person barring Sarah is being given any kind of reprieve, then how are they to know that God wants them to repent and to change? There were a few things that frustrated me about this book. That was probably the biggest one, to be fair. But I do have a list, and if you've read this book, then I really would love to hear your take. Sara knows that he's not human and has seen what he has done and what he's capable of, yet she is still attracted to him, enough that in her mind what he does is somehow justified. He is punishing everyone for the crimes of the worst in humanity, and even the kindest who show them mercy and hospitality are not protected. Pestilence keeps on saying that he can't control what he does, as it is who he is, yet Sara isn't ill, and he even heals her at one point. The list goes on and on. I have a few good pages, to be fair, but I think that this is enough, and I will post the rest of it on my blog, which is actually launching on the 16th of November, so you can read it later. The Lasser's creations are well-written and well-formed, but the book felt somewhat strangely inappropriate. Yes, I know that romance happens in the darkest and most terrifying of times, but the romantic relationship between Pestilence and Sara just feels wrong. There will be a lot of people who feel attracted to the idea of this handsome male protagonist, and that's great. Everyone has an ideal in their head, and if this is yours, and this is the type of book you love, then there are two further for you to read. And the final book, titled Death, I believe, is due for release on November the 9th. Did I enjoy it? There are parts of this book that I went back and read again. Moments when Pestilence and Sarah bonded, when he showed something resembling mercy. When Sarah actually came to her senses and I thought, yes, thank you, finally. I can see what Laura Thalasser is doing with this book and these characters. And then it takes a turn and all I can see just perplexes and confuses me and disturbs me quite a bit. There were actually moments when I really didn't like either character for different reasons. Sarah, for example, just frustrated me. At the beginning of the book, she had accepted that the mission she was on would be her final one, that she was sentencing herself to death. But then, as Pestilence's prisoner, she seemed to find the will to live even though she despised her captor. She also seemed to be incredibly keen on humanising him, which felt bizarre. Will I read it again? I won't read this one again, and I haven't said that about many books, 
But I do have the next two on my Kindle. Reviews from people I respect to provide an unbiased view have not actually been hugely favourable, and in fact many have highlighted a few of the issues with the subsequent books that I experienced with this one. I'm not going to immediately dive into the next book in the sequence, which is called War, because I think that I have had enough of the suffering and trauma, at least for the time being. And this, to me, proves more than anything that this story is one I'm not sure I want to continue reading. I guess my biggest issue is that, for some reason, this book, and probably the ones that follow, are desperate to justify the most abominable behaviour and show that even the most horrific acts can be excused by someone blinded by love. Would I recommend it to others? Being honest, I don't think I would. But I am not every reader, and they are not me. If you really enjoy reading dystopian fantasy and are immune to the explicit descriptions of gore and violence, then this is a book to add to the top of your reading list. All that said... The book is well written and Thalassa manages to insert a minute amount of humour into some of the scenes. But due to the content in the majority of the book, it's not one that I would actually say I want to read again. I'm going to be back on Thursday with a review of another Jennifer Aniston romantic comedy as we enter week two of Jennifer Aniston season. So definitely please tune in for that. I'm looking forward to talking about yet another JA movie. The last cup has gone in the dishwasher. The closed sign has been turned around. So it's time to end this, another episode of The Bookshop. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back again for more. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a review or give the show a star rating over on Podchaser. No feedback is bad feedback if it's constructive. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs, on Instagram at not before coffee podcast, or over on good pods at not before coffee. Well, I have to go and pick yet another book from the shelf for next week and settle down with my fifth cup of coffee of the day. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. <laughs>